delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is On the Grid. G'day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. A massive show coming up as we dissect what was an amazing round one of supercars. Mark Walker and Richard Crowell to help me do that very shortly. There were so many storylines out of that first round. We'll try and get through them all, if we can, in the next hour or so. Also, we sent our intrepid reporter, Dale Rogers, out to Phillip Island for the Classic. He caught up with a couple of classic drivers. We'll hear those interviews in just a sec, right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. All right, time to catch up with Dale Rogers and find out who he caught up with over the weekend at Phillip Island. Dale. I've just uh, the, the Phillip Island Historics, two Luminaries ex-supercar drivers. Luminaries. Greg Murphy and Stevie Richards. Greg and Steve, welcome to Phillip Island. Oh, thank you. I love yeah. coming to Phillip Island. And Stevie, driving your dad's car this weekend, pretty cool. Yeah, very cool, very cool. It's a big uh, part of dad's history in motorsport that helped him win the 1990 Touring Car Championship. So it's finally, it's it's thrown the keys my way to have a drive. It's only taken 30 years. You drove in New Zealand recently in the Super Tourer and you've now become a bit of a regular at historic meetings. Is that a sign of the age? Well, it has to be, doesn't it? It has to be. No, look, it's it's fantastic. I mean, these these events are just. I mean, my wife got caught in a traffic jam on the way in here. That that doesn't happen at a supercar event, you know. So it's a it's a it's a big race. I mean, it means a lot for a lot of people, and it's good to see a few young people wandering around as well. Yeah. And Murph, you're you're in the Nissan as well. Oh yeah, I, I like Steve. He's no excited about driving his dad's car. I'm, I'm just feel very privileged to have the opportunity. I mean. When, Effectively, you know, this is this is certainly a, a, a time, the era of when I, you know, when I was just fully immersed in in motorsport and touring car racing in Australia, and you know, couldn't couldn't get enough of it. So, to me, driving a car such as this, you know, that uh, was a part of the championship back then, is um, yeah, I feel feel very honoured and privileged, and it's just a joy. It really is. I mean, we yeah, we're okay, we're we're 50 now, but uh, and which says a lot I suppose about where we are in our lives but um, but we just love cars, we love historic racing we love the what it means and, and clearly what makes it even better is there's a whole shit ton of people that feel the same way, we just are privileged we get to actually ex- um, explore it on the racetrack You've been doing a bit of historic racing in New Zealand yeah. as well and Formula Ford I saw as well, a bit yeah. of fun Yeah well that was, that was sort of counted as historic um, <laughs> It was a class two car, okay. but um, you know, I, I mean, I I get to drive, you know, some amazing stuff these days, like Steve does, and we, you know, we're very lucky. But because um, we we appreciate it, you know, I've been dri- I drove the the peanut slabs here at Cosworth last year at the supercar round, uh, which was, and Steve was there too, uh, in the Nissan and the Primera, and um, you know. We got to be a part of that event, which was a special event in itself because of the last Pukekohe supercar event. I mean, it was just phenomenal to be there. And, and um, you know, driving that car was 30 years since I'd driven that car at Pukekohe. was the last time I got to drive it, and 30 years later I'm driving it again. And it was just like I was in a time warp because the car was the car was identical to what it was back then. I, I mean, back in 92 when I drove it, it was a handful, and it was a, it felt like a complete and utter shitbox at Pukekohe the other week, but it was exactly how it was in 92. <laughs> it was exactly the same, but I didn't know any different in 92. I'd just driven too many cars in 2022. Yeah. Stevie, you're a team manager at the moment for, for Clay, doing pretty well, isn't he? Yeah, he's going great. We, we um, go and have a lot of fun together, and it's just a nice way to... That we can enjoy what is I mean he he is like he is like Murph and I were 30 years ago watching Group A you know he's having going through the same experience now so it's nice to be able to share those moments Murph's kindly loaning me his 86 for New Zealand next week and Clay's going to drive that so so we're it's it's good they did a a race race last weekend at Pukekohe and that's been really good yeah well great to see you guys Uh, I'm at the historic because I'm historic as well so lovely to see you (laughs) thank you mate there's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. Don Walker, Richard Carl, Mark Walker to the program. Boys, good day to you. Oh, Tony Shebeki. Uh I don't know quite how we're going to do this show. Good luck to you. It's been fun. 
We'll put it together. Oh, I'm just here. Uh, it's Mark Walker here, and I'm just rolling up my I'm rolling up my podcasting sleeves at the moment. Yes, <laughs> I think we're going to have to because. Oh, gee, there's a lot to dive into this week, isn't there? Um, there is. Well, let's talk about the elephant in the room, and that's not me. But <laughs> the situation is, are we getting drivers not wanting to talk at the moment? Well, yeah. And that's with all respect to the drivers that we've asked to come on this program, who a couple refused, a couple didn't get back to us. But is there seemed to be a shutdown from everybody in regards to this whole thing? I, you know, I, I think it, it's a very complex issue and, and this all stems, it stems beyond the SVG thing on Sunday, whatever that was. Um, awkward for one. Um, I, I think, I think a lot of it is, is that um, there's some dissatisfaction with the product from the drivers, which is fine. Uh, the sport being supercars doesn't necessarily want the drivers to say bad things about it, which is also fine. I don't, I don't disagree with that as a concept that I, I much rather a positive mindset and approach in talking about your product. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm at the point now, Shebex, where I think both sides just need to stop caring so much to be perfectly honest, because if the car's not that great to drive, that's fine. It happens. Wasn't Some, that the just, whole point of the exercise to make a car that wasn't nice to drive? It, it, it was. It, it was. My, my point is this: if the car's not great, tough. So the the mission here isn't for Shane, Dave, Chaz, whoever it might be, to go out and get a cargasm every time they turn the steering wheel because it's the most beautifully balanced race car they've ever driven. That's not what they're paid for because that doesn't sell a ticket. Um, and at the same time, I think supercars need to be a little bit more open to the fact that maybe they're not that great a car at this point and that these drivers are coming off a car that has been in the sport for 10 years and a beautifully refined, developed, you know, you, you could not extract more speed out of a Gen 2 supercar than what they were getting. They were the zenith of supercar development. So as a result, they were really nice for these drivers to drive. So they've had to jump into something that's a lot more agricultural, that's perhaps not as nicely balanced, that doesn't have front front end feel, that isn't as good in the rear end, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Tough, that, but that's also fine. I don't think the sport should be afraid of criticism because again, it doesn't really matter if the product on track is good. The focus here Correct. from everybody needs to be the product. Exactly. So if, the drivers, if the drivers have a little bit of a whinge about the fact the car's no good, that's fine. Uh, supercars need to accept that and go, no, it's not. Like, they're early. This is the second race. We've had four days in these cars. They're not going to be that great right now. 12 months' time, they'll be a completely different animal. So I, I think there needs to be a little bit of give and take. And how long would Speed Cafe run a story? So let's say at every round this year, David Reynolds pops up and goes, do you know what? This thing's a bit of a shitbox. Speed Cafe will run that as a headline maybe three times. And then they'll move on to other things because people will stop caring. It won't matter. And then mm. you won't get this tension that currently exists between the media cracking onto the drivers and the drivers not wanting to say anything. And then the media get angry that the drivers don't want to say anything. And it's this massive vicious cycle that everyone ends up grumpy with each other and no one wins. So I think everyone just needs to get what they're feeling off their chest and very quickly we'll all move on and get down with the business of going car racing. Yeah, I wasn't sitting in the press conference on Friday or Saturday, but I went and trolled through all the stories that were produced from them and pulled out the bits that were criticising, criticising in inverted commas, that made the headlines. I'm assuming that if there was something more out on the extremities, it probably would have made a, a headline or two, but this is what was written in the press. So Friday, Shane Van Gisbergen, I'm struggling in the car. It's so, so hot. It's the hottest car I've driven in a long time. And they made us take all the heat stuff out last night and we put it in. Uh, and then apparently it's going back in tonight or something. It's crazy. My feet are like, if I wiggle my toes, I'm touching the firewall. Last year, they extended the cabin a bit. So that cabin bits further into the engine bay now. It's crazy hot. Like my feet are on fire. Hopefully they let us do something to fix it. Okay. 
So then that was followed up on Saturday, talking about uh, the aerodynamics or, or whatnot, how the cars were driving. Mm. It's probably worse because we're sliding more on these cars than the temp, I guess, talking about the tyres, already cooked. Then you get behind someone and that just makes the tyres you sort of trailed off. So probably worse than last year, but you can follow closely like down the hill in the high speed. It was a bit closer, but the tyres were cooked and more before you get close. Okay, a bit weird. I'm, I'm obviously not saying that in the voice of Shane Van Gisbergen, but I, I heard why that. Would I... You, why would you give him a pull through for that? That is outrageous. Yeah, I, I was there like, for that. There's, and, there's and nothing in there that is slandering the car or the product. He's stating no, a fact. No, exactly right. And and <laughs> the, the irony of it is, and, and look, some drivers have complained privately that the thing's not that good to drive, and I get that. And it's probably not as nice as what the other ones, because of everything I just said. The irony is, is that the way to fix the tire issue of the tire overheating. So, so before they had aero wash, so the cars had too much downforce, so you couldn't follow closely because of the aero wash. Now they've stripped all that downforce away, so the cars move around for, so it nukes the tire instead. So you've you've moved moved the problem to from one thing to another. The irony is to fix that problem, you've got to put these things on the absolute most shittest, rubbish, rock-hard concrete tyre that mm-hmm. you've ever seen in your life. They won't overheat then, but they will be the biggest shitboxes in the world that these guys have ever driven, and they will complain until the cows come home. So it, it's chicken or the egg. You can't have it all. And it goes back to my point of what, what do you want? Do you want product or do you want happy racing car drivers and everyone going, oh, this is great. This is the best thing that's ever happened to our sport. It's a good thing to our sport. No doubt. Is it perfect? No. Do we need to be, do we need to be on this bandwagon that is the most perfect thing that's ever happened? I don't think we do because the storyline of improvement is is a good thing. The product will speak for itself. There was a sample size of one. And like that Mm. first race, they were all driving within themselves. That first stint, in yeah. the race, it was pathetic because nobody wanted to break free and tear up their tires because they just didn't know what was going on. So they just followed each other around in a line. Yeah, and no one. So do we all agree that, that the product we saw on the weekend was good? Sunday. Was uh, where, good. where do we rate it? Out of ten, give it a mark. No, oh, well, I, you know, I, I sat down with a couple of journos in the media centre on Sunday afternoon, um, and guys that have been doing this for a long time, and we sort of sat there and went, do you know what? It's probably been a seven or a seven point five, and most of us were thinking the same thing. It was all okay. It was all right. Sunday was a pretty stock standard supercar street race, wasn't it? Going back, going back to the tearing the drivers up. The other guy who was sitting there in the press conference was Reynolds, who Hmm. it was noted during the broadcast of the day earlier in the day that Mark Scaife brought up. It's that I tore up David Reynolds after his comments following the test day. Yeah, I, t- I tore up David Reynolds for his comments after the test day. They were pathetic. Mm. Where he came out uneducated, just blasting all this tripe that made no sense of all at all. Mm. Yes, but Scaife, you Scaife... can't have it both ways. But but well, and that, you can't and blast that, the bloke that, for talking. Was... You can't blast the bloke for but, not talking. The, yeah, we yeah. don't know the details Correct. of who tore up SVG and what was the level of tear up. I, I think Reynolds was right to cop a whack. Because he's there having this massive sook about parody. You end up no, taking. But we know Scafi did tear up SVG after the press conference. Oh yeah, that's that's something entirely different. Yeah. That's yeah. something entirely different. Yeah. But yeah, Reynolds was just unhinged. Not that that frustrated me. That uh, he went out and saw those things. Then on the weekend, where was the, how was the parody, boys? Yeah, I thought the parody was pretty decent. Yeah, it was it was a non-issue. But again, very small sample size, and we still need to wait. But yes, I agree. The Reynolds, Reynolds launching into it was just Dave speaking off cuff yeah. like he does without without putting a huge amount of thought into what he was saying. His missus is about to give birth. He's nervous. He wasn't thinking straight. Come on. He, he only eats meat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Diet's probably not great for what he's doing. Um, yeah, so look, that that was that it was poor timing and and not the right time for those. Given given there was no context to his comments with that. The whole thing around that test day, and everyone was so far behind where they needed to be at the time. But like, you look at that Saturday shootout, which is one of the great top ten shootouts in supercars non Bathurst history, except for Brody stuffing it for us. Well, yeah, you go and pull the thing by a tenth. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, you had ten different teams represented across the two shootouts, which is 
well, it's almost the entire field. I think only yeah. what team missed out? Did one? Did did a team? Matt Stone. I reckon every team might have got a car into the shootout. Team eighteen had one on. How many teams are there? Ten teams. Must be. Uh, yeah. So I reckon. Well, I reckon. Well, I mean, DJ is tenth in the team's championship. So. Oh well, no. Okay. Well, DJ was the only. Did they get a car in the shootout on I Saturday? Not, I don't think they did. Uh, on the Saturday or the Sunday. No. So they they may have been the only car only team that didn't get a car into the shootout at all. We'll talk about them a bit more shortly. Oh yeah, they they're going to get towed up. Um, but the <laughs> not that bad. Well, actually, they were. They were terrible. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think the competitive balance so far is very, very good. No, they didn't get a car. I'm just checking. They didn't get a car in the shootout on Saturday or Sunday. So DJR, a team that won three championships in a row five years ago, did not were the only team in the paddock that did not make the shootout at some point over the weekend. That is an extraordinary stat. Should have put that in the power rankings. <laughs> what's gone wrong? I mean, they've still got a lot of the brains trust that got the job done back in the day. Perry Kappa, mm. um, Ludo, Richard Harris, those guys are still there. That, that nucleus of the brains trust is still there, but they're another year removed from the Penske way, aren't they? And they were just nowhere on the weekend. It was really sad to see. It was tough to watch. Yeah. There, there's, you, can to be, watch. you can be bad, but I think Shebeck's being anonymous is even worse. And they were completely anonymous yeah. all weekend long. At no point, they pop, Willie D popped up in the top two in a practice session, I think, early in the weekend, maybe practice one, if I recall. But, like, they were just at no point looking like contenders. Whereas oh, Team Sydney-esque. Yeah, every other team at some point looked good. You know, Todd Hazelwood got the Blanchard car into the shootout. Matt Stone Racing, what a strong weekend for Jack LeBrock. Premier High Racing, how good were they on Sunday? What a performance from them. So every other team at some point, you know, Andre Heimgartner for Brad Jones Racing, two of the Tickford cars, the Team 18 cars were were quiet but effective in both races. I I think they they were the only team who just looked completely anonymous all weekend long, and that's a massive concern. Again, Mm. small sample size. They may turn out to be absolute rocket ships at the Grand Prix, but not a positive start for um, the team from Stapleton. Is, is it as simple as with the team being divided, working on the car, Gen 3 car, getting that homologation and all that sort of stuff, has that been that team? Did they not spend enough time on their own product while wow. looking after everything else? Is, is it that simple? It didn't affect Triple Eight, did it? No, it's fickle. Nope. And and if, if it's too much of a task, which... Well, I guess we'll come to in the triple eight side of things, mm. you know, don't do it or get more resources. Mm. Like you don't have to go and do all these auxiliary things that aren't focused on the performance of your own team. If you can't make it function properly, can you? Mm. Uh, other winners and losers from the weekend. Uh, I, I thought Grove racing, Penrite racing were winners. Uh, not, not just because Dave ending up on the podium with, with a really stout drive on, um, on Sunday and a brilliant lap in the shootout. And, and, you know, barring his, his commentary, maybe off kilter at points, I think the sport's better when Dave is at the front of the field because he's 100%. genuinely a, a high quality racing car driver and one of the best in the field. And when he's got the material to do the job, he still can. So that was really good. But what I, what I really liked about that team was that they weren't that great on Saturday and that didn't it have, and I was thinking about this on the way back on um, on Sunday night. I was driving back to Sydney. I was thinking about this. So Reynolds qualified fifth for race one, but they were pretty much MIA in that race. They they did not have strong race pace. But how triple eight was it that they went away Saturday night and they turned the things around and by Sunday they had a genuine rocket ship and the thing was really good over the distance too. Like and and we know the recruiting, Couchy and everybody that they've done, and the the resources that Steve Grove and Brenton and the whole team have empowered them with. Didn't it feel really gun race car team spec that they were able to transform mm. their thing overnight and turn it into a podium contender by Sunday? I thought that was a really interesting little narrative that I didn't see many people pick up on, but it it strikes me as the hallmarks of a racing car team that is pretty switched on and the group of people they've got are, are operating very well, which could bode really well for the remainder of the season. If you're uh, in Penrite colors. As we go to pod on Tuesday night, AVL over at motorsport.com has a chat with 
Reynolds there describing his struggles there for the last half of that race, where he's losing a second a lap because mm. of his his health reasons, just cooking yeah. in the car, which uh, was mildly terrifying read to be quite frank. So I mean, obviously that that didn't help on Saturday. Sunday, if he led that thing into the first corner, he probably would have finished second. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. Uh, uh, Matt Stone Racing winner. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, uh, LeBrock. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that that was the weekend we've needed to see from Jack for three years now, isn't it, Mark? Really? Yeah, and even Cameron Hill was mm. looking for a fifteenth and a thirteenth before he had a couple of different dramas there uh, in a his world. So, um, but that's what you want to see with this new package. It's yep. the same for everyone. Everyone's got the same piece of kit. It's just a matter of how they tune it and how they drive it, and mm. it paves the way to opportunities for these guys. I wonder back in Gen two. You could buy the triple eight kit. You could buy their uprights. You could buy all their data. Like you could literally buy their data, which is what the teams would do. They mm. wouldn't necessarily dolly up for all the go fast bits. So you're comparing apples with oranges. But I wonder if that's still a thing where these other teams can align themselves with triple eight and get all their data. And, you know, there's probably a lot more relevancy now because everyone's running the exact same thing. There's no excuse yeah. to not make that sort of setup work. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. Chickford um, loses. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did win the first race. Well, they, I mean, they won, they so it's it's pretty hard to um, it's pretty hard yeah. to wrap them really because they clearly had a very good race car and um, and you've got to wonder coulda, shoulda, woulda for for Cam on Sunday had he not clicked that fence while chasing Chaz down in what was a really good battle. Um, had he not clicked that fence, spent the steering as bad as he did, would he have had the car speed to drive away and? And would Shane's battle with Chaz have been for second place rather than third? Would Cam have been out in front or would it have been a three-way battle? We, we'll never know. But I, I think he was very effective and, and that's just, it's good validation, I think, for Chaz that he's he's changed cars, changed generations and is still as good as he was last year. Um, James Courtney was pretty solid all weekend, to be honest, and, and the blot in his solid copybook. Solid wall. Well, yeah, the blot in his copybook was the shunt in the shootout, which was a shame because you know, made them both days, eighth on day one, and then, you know, had, had genuine top 10 pace as well. Did love his um, in-car lap commentary as well. That was... Yeah, good. look, he's, he's pretty good on the, the yeah. mic on the in-car, isn't he, as well? Um, Decker Fraser finished 13th in race one. That's decently solid, isn't it? It for is a, decent. For a debut, pretty solid stuff for the, the Super 2 champion. Early days, but... But, I, I mate, the biggest winners for mine outside of it were Premier like that that performance on Sunday was like they damn near got a podium with James Golding. That was huge. And especially after Sunday, it's another team that transformed things after a pretty average, very average day in the race on Saturday. They they turned things around and got two cars in the top ten, which was huge. The Coca-Cola boys look pretty hot as well in the Erebus cars. Mm. Brody in second in the championship at the moment and Will Brown sixth. Yeah. Oh, Sorry, I'm nodding on yes, podcast. Yes. yes. <laughs> That's translated well. Uh, leading the team's championship, which uh, they are, correct. never done before, which is uh, pretty handy work. They were just solid. Brody was red hot that qualifying lap on Saturday. Yeah, Everyone's right. registered the exact same time, and he goes in there and bangs a tenth and a half over them, which yeah. was uh, pretty cool to see. And it's good to see proper emotion too. And, mm. you know, the Coca-Colas of the world and the Penrites get up there for a, a significant shootout. Mm. victory you know they celebrated hard because it's a hard fought thing and it's a good place for a shootout i like oh, i keep totally. banging on about this you need to have consequences you need to have yeah. a place where james courtney can headbutt the fence like mm. the, you know, that adds story that you know these guys having a go are on the ragged edge and yeah. they could be in the fence anywhere anytime and it proved the way in the weekend the, the best shone through it's just a shame that uh that aussie racing car stacks on the mill that that when they went full super two just before the shootout on Sunday yeah. oh. made a mess. And then Courtney made an even bigger mess. So that really did stuff up that part of the track for a fair few guys. Uh, mm. Wilkinshaw could probably regret the fact that they're not on top of the team's championship after a fantastic start for Chaz Moster, but Nick Perkat, we're not going to see another year for him like we did last year, are we? Oh, you'd hope not. I mean, he's he's he is last in the championship, Shebex. Yeah, first, I know. first DNF in the Gen Three era, twenty third on Sunday, while his teammates up the road finishing second and contending for victories in both races. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's it's he's a brutal old game, isn't it? 
what, 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 this is, it's a Daniel Ricardo situation. Why? And, and, and this will be the question forever asked. And I'm sure it's the question Nick's asking himself. Why? Yeah. Two years ago, he was doing amazing things in a Brad Jones racing car and contending for podiums in that thing. So yeah, I, I, wow. I don't know what it is, but that, that will be a big storyline of this year. If, if they can't work out what's going on with car two. But it, and it's going to come down to a bit of mental toughness there to hang it out, isn't it? You know, <laughs> he knows he can drive, but uh, I think last year it sort of did his head in a bit for, mm. you know, all the things that befell him just never played out, but hopefully he can get it together this year because it's clearly a decent package. How about that? The Holden racing team leading the championship with a Ford <laughs> a Mustang. Ford. Yeah. <laughs> and the crowd, seemed, everyone seems okay with it. Like yeah, the, yep. the crowd embraced it. They don't care, you know, get on with it. Yep. Yeah, and and you know there were um, there were concerns, and and I think some of them genuine about how the fan base would react to No Holden, and to that team being in a Ford and all the other bits and pieces going on. But I didn't see any of that. I didn't see any dramas with that. I think people just get on with it. They understand the story. They understand that the brand itself is gone. They understand that people have got to move on. And there were a lot of people in red bull shirts with a Chevy bow tie on the back. Yeah. And there were a lot of people in current WAU merch with Ford logos on it. So I think people move on. And uh, I, I thought the, um, I got it. We've got to talk about Newcastle because well, you were, I was going to ask you the question. Cause you were our man on the ground. What was it like? I was, it was outstanding. It was genuinely a very, very, very good event. And and some of that was down to the fact that we hadn't been there in three years. But as a result of that, Supercars and IEDM who built the track and, and all the team around it had a lot of thought into what needed to change in the past. And as a result, the layout internally and the way you would move around was significantly improved. Yeah, I remember there was a lot of just needless fences back in the day. Yeah. It's like we're corralling so people much, here and it was just it was just pointless. so much simpler. Uh the GA viewing I thought was better than it's ever been. Um up at turn two, you could go up on the hill there. You could correct. see that on yeah. that crane and, and shot. It was and absolutely packed. And in, inside of turn one was packed and yeah. exit turn one on, on drivers right there was full uh, just, just a really, really good atmosphere, Shebex. Um, the concerts both nights were reamed. Um, the the town was good. You know, we we walked back on um, on Saturday night to where we were staying and walked through the. Basically, you keep driving down Turn One, um, and keep going straight. If you have a really big one, um, you end up down a little restaurant strip down there in in the CBD, and all the pubs were packed, and ninety percent of the people in them were wearing supercars merch. So. Um, there was a really good vibe around town and, and I don't know if I had blinkers on or not, but I didn't hear as much of the negativity from the locals as we have in the past. Um, it was still there. There was still some commentary from the locals about it, but broadly I thought it was the most po most positive Newcastle 500 they've had, including the first one. It was just genuinely a really great event with a very, very good crowd, 167,000 over the the three days, and I believe every one of it because it was packed. Thirty years on, save Albert Park, still a thing. So yeah, the the greenies in the Adelaide Parkland still bitch and moan about that place too, as we discovered a few years ago. Let's talk supports, and I'll keep. Oh, hang on, no, I think we missed. A, I think we missed a couple talking points there, Shebex. Oh, okay, yes. yeah, a couple no. of Chevy Camaros, maybe, perhaps. Mm. Bit of drama Sunday morning. <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, what's the vibe? You know, we're sort of talking overnight. What's the vibe? Are they going to bin them? Are they going to bin them? Mm. It seemed a few of the media outlets decided to bin them early. And yes, is this on? Is this a thing that's going to happen? Yeah. And uh, there you go. Wake up Sunday morning and two Red Bulls, one, two on bin. Sunday. And they absolutely donged it. And they were out for something that wasn't performance enhancing. It seems like it was a communication issue between supercars and the team. Mm. and the officials sided with supercars. And uh, I'll read out this quote from Jamie Wincup to Speed Cafe, which is rather remarkable. The way they treated us after race one was absolutely appalling. For everything that we've done, it's pretty simple for us. We did everything we could. They ran us over the coals trying to get this car ready for the whole sport. We did everything we could, and because we didn't have enough time, we put the 
to put the driver cooling in exactly the right spot. We rolled in here, they gave us approval, and then for them and then for them not to actually just tell the truth in front of the stewards, I thought it was hard to witness. But that's where it's at. We've got to, we're not giving up race one. We'll fight. Hopefully the truth comes out and the result is what it should be. So that's a bigger whack. That's a bigger whack at the institution than Dave Reynolds gave. 100%. It's just, it's, that's why they're calling Adrian coming out saying people are lying. That's saying Adrian Burgess is a liar. It was Adrian's word versus Mark Dutton's word in the court of law and the Motorsport Australia team sided with Adrian Burgess. So, well, a huge deal. Yeah, it is, and ultimately, um, there, there's a there's a, a separation of church and state needs to be clear here as well, because it's Motorsport Australia who apply the penalties, um, not just supercars. So they work very closely together, of course. But the judicial stuff is the Motorsport Australia stewards. Yep. Um, so ultimately, they make the decision. Adrian Burgess could, you know, they they can go look; these people are in breach of the rules. But if the stewards go, we don't think they are then supercars have to cop that. They might not like it, but they have to. That's just the way the sport runs. Now they could they could appeal that themselves. So that that's the that's the system. Um that's a big whack. But ultimately but you had Mark Dutton on Sunday morning saying on live national television, I probably should have sent an email to get written confirmation. It's like, well yep. Hundred percent, absolutely. You should always send an email and get written confirmation because otherwise yeah. you're dealing with verbals. And he said, she said, and oh, I don't know. And it's very, very easy to deny unless someone's got a secret recording. So yeah, there's there's a strange little disconnect there between what's what's actually happened and what people are saying have happened. But ultimately. I wasn't convinced they were going to be disqualified to be perfectly honest with you, because I didn't think they were, I didn't think the the technical breach was performance enhancing in terms of the car. So I was, I part of me thought with all the heat stories around that maybe they'd, they'd be a little bit lenient and they would find them or points or whatever it might be. So I was reasonably surprised when they were both excluded from the race. But at the same time, that's what the regulation says. If you're in breach of the technical regulations, you're going to be excluded. So they're the rules. Um, Red Bull have got the right to appeal, which they've done. They've paid their $10,000 appeal fee. Um, it'll go to what we understand will be a, a tribunal in Melbourne the week of the Grand Prix. Well, the team's in town and the, the stewards are all there. Uh, Is anyone we'll a Red find, Bull a good lawyer? We'll find out. <laughs> My first thought was, gee, they should call Sven Boycarts. He's a really good lawyer and does motorsport as a specialty, but he's also a co-owner at Tickford. So, and the team who protested. One of the yeah. teams that protested. So. <laughs> uh, so he's probably not going to help them. So I wonder what happened in scrutineering because all the cars get scrutineered. That's just a standard across all forms of motorsport. doesn't matter if you're doing a motor car or supercars. The officials mm. look at your car. and Obviously, they nobody saw any issues with this prior to the race but um, it was identified in the race so it was on the broadcast when they saw it was them there the it was there on in. yeah it was there on thursday though because that's when mark dutton was showing adrian burgess yeah so uh, other things that came up is that mark dutton talked about the rule book being incomplete you know links to files not missing the drawings not in place uh obviously that's a, a whack to supercars but by the same token this we didn't quite have enough time to put the driver cooling in exactly the right spot. Well, you still had to spend time to mount it yeah, in a spot in where spot. you're not going to. And then they had time to move it for Sunday morning. Yes. So I don't sure. see why mounting it in the right spot. Yeah. It was a time issue. And that goes back to what I was saying before. If they didn't have enough time to weld this thing into the right spot in the first time, why are they doing all this extracurricular stuff helping out supercars? Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, you, you're correct. Exactly. That's that's what doesn't add up for mine is is that line of, of commentary. And the other one for mine is that no one else had a drama. Well, or did they? Or And just, you know, was it a Matt Stone had it or so? I'm just well, making names if, up and nobody cared. You know, if, you like finish, if you finish 21st, uh, yeah, is anyone going to protest you? Probably not. Well, although knowing that, Paddock, probably. Mm. <laughs> uh, what was the second thing that I missed, Mark? Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen. Sunday afternoon. Yeah, we sort of touched on that earlier, but yes, no, you're right. Petulance. Oh, oh, it was pretty rude and disrespectful to 
to Jess Yates in the first instance and then Chad in the second instance, wasn't it? I mean, obviously he had an axe to grind going back to that earlier stuff that he said that he got pulled aside for his comments, which as far as I'm concerned, were pretty vanilla. So mm. he took uh, offence to that. And I wonder, was it a spur of the moment thing that Shane's just gone, no, I'm going to say nothing? Or was this something that was the seed was planted before the race, whereas do your talking on the track, Shane? Because I don't know. I work in PR and communications and we sort of have to deal with a, situations right or wrong all the time. There's times to talk and there's times not to talk. When they put a microphone in front of you, you've got to talk. You can't just run away, especially after you've won the race. Yeah, and what what probably irritated, I think, TV land more than anything was that I thought Jess's initial question that he shut down was fair. Yeah, 100%. Because she, Jess Yates asked about the move on Chaz. Yep. And it was a significant move. It was the deciding move of the race. It literally dictated the outcome. And it was contentious because there was contact involved. So it was a fair question. It had absolutely nothing to do with Saturday at all. Nothing. Yeah. And clearly Shane and the team were still aggrieved by Saturday and that's fine. But this, this was a question asked about a, a specific moment that led him to win a race. So the, the right thing in my opinion there to do would be to answer it. Yeah, we made a little bit of contact, but... Give, give them nothing. Just be, be standard chain. Give yeah. them nothing. Yeah. But the, the thing is that his axe to grind was with supercars. It wasn't yeah. with Jess Yates or Chad Nalon. Yeah. It was with supercars for what they... The, the whole series of events, whether he was upset about the, the whole Adrian Burgess, Mark Dutton thing, whatever. Mm. If mm. it was for being pulled aside over the nothing comments, he had a platform there that mm. he could go out there and nail them Mm-hmm. And he would have had everyone on side for nailing them. Yep. Instead, he sat on it for 24 hours. The whole internet's blown up. Everyone's had their piece to say about it. Mm. And he lost control of the narrative. So 24 hours later, he issues a statement that he should have issued in the very first place, nailing supercars. Yeah, correct. I, I could not agree more on that. And and then the other problem is, is that Shane's relationship with the media is already quite strained and he yeah, but there, very, are, there are guys in the media that it gets along with. I, I know. Let, let me finish yeah. that, that, and that's fine. You don't have to love them. And he does get on with some of them, but it, it's chicken in the egg, right? It's a vicious cycle. If, if you give the media nothing like he did, especially in that press conference, which was poor, the press conference was really poor. I don't, I don't care what side you, whether you agree with Shane or not, that was just bad behavior. Um, the, if you'd feed the media that they're going to go after you, it's their job. It's how it works. So you're better off to give them something rather than nothing at all. And, and that in my mind is a, was a PR mistake from SVG, um, further to what your, your argument, Mark, about having this, the platform to, to say what he thought and, and he should have, um, so, and then, so then the media get fired up and write stories about Shane being cantankerous and not wanting to deal with the media. And then Shane gets fired up because the media are writing stories about him not liking the media. And it's this vicious cycle and it blows and yeah. blows and blows and blows when it could have been diffused reasonably quickly with a pithy comment or, or being completely and openly honest or going, I don't want to talk about yesterday, but what a great race. You know, I love that battle with Chaz. We had great fun. There's a bit of work to do, blah, blah, blah. He could have offered some comments and everyone would have gone and filed their stories and it would have dialed it right down. Um, but my my opinion is that Chad, who has copped some shit for his yes. line of questioning, was perfectly justified to ask those questions. And if he hadn't have asked those questions at the start, Paul Gover or someone from Speak Cafe or Mark Fogarty would have. So they needed to be asked. He didn't answer them. I think that was an error. Um, and as you said, Mark, it was probably 24 hours too late in making up for that. But everyone would have been team Shane. There wouldn't have been an argument. He wouldn't have given rise he for got, he Mark Scaife or mm. Garth Tander to say that he was disrespectful. Yep. And congratulations right. to Craig Gravel as well for asking the question about whether the drivers had been silenced. Well, yeah, and, and, and Craig asked another good one in that um, he said, 
Shane said, I just want to let my driving do the talking. He said, well, tell us about your driving. And Shane flat batted that as well. I was like, dude, like, give him something. It's a good question. It is a good question. Yeah, so that it, it wasn't a great moment. It was bloody awkward. Um, and, and you were sitting in that room going, whoa, we're, we're watching something that's going to rumble on for a long time here. Um, and then we all dashed to the TVs in the media centre to hear what Mark and, and Garth were, were saying about it. And, and to be fair, they didn't get the whole press conference for the, the full context you needed to see the whole thing. So yeah. they only got a snippet of that on broadcast. But, but they got the first, they got Jess's question and they got the three questions yeah. from Chad, which if you can't answer four questions in a row. No, I agree with that. There's, there's a fair bit of context there to yeah. tee off, isn't there? Yeah. The... Response from Shane Van Gisbergen in social media. Do we believe that Shane wrote that or do we believe that he dictated his feelings to someone and then that was written on his behalf? Oh, probably, but that's that's how it works. Oh, I ghostwrite everything for everyone. That's yeah, how yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. That's there's nothing to him and they're fair words. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no. and it was well said, totally. Yeah. The, the thing is... It should have been nipped in the bud before that. They should have yep. gotten around him. It's a high-stress job for starters. Yep. You're going out there and you're putting your life on the line, literally, to go and do your job. You just had this huge moment where you've lost all these points. You've had this huge moment where someone from the hierarchy's come and had a tear-up with him. Mm. So he's under all this stress. He needs some someone there to get around him and give him a cuddle and, and get him going, you know. Mm. I've in my time in the sport, I've seen drivers in tears on the Saturday before the Bathurst 1000 and on tears on the Sunday morning of the Bathurst 1000 not wanting to do the race. Mm. But you get around them. You, you guide these people in the right direction. You help them out. You, yep. you give them the advice that they're not necessarily seeing in that moment where they've got the issues. So mm. I, I hope that everyone learns from it for starters, that this sort of thing doesn't happen. And yeah. I hope that supercars learn not to go and tear up their drivers for saying absolute vanilla rubbish. And that's yep. the root cause of all this in the first place. Yeah. That didn't happen. Then Shane wouldn't have gone off and then we wouldn't be having this conversation. Supports. Uh, we'll start with TCM. And while Dick Johnson racing might be having issues, Shane Johnson, uh, Steve Johnson racing isn't. No, Stevie's driving brilliantly at the moment and the field might not be big, but the, the quality at the front is as good as it ever has been. Ryan Hansford was was superb. Um, JB was down on horsepower, so he wasn't really there, but um, Marcus Canavick had a good weekend and Adam Bressington was as quick as he always is. So yeah, a bit of history. Fourth round win in a row for Steve. Never been done in TCM history, believe it or not, despite Crazy. all the years of domination that John Bow has had. So um, beautiful car. Oh, that what is, a piece of art. Yeah, it is <laughs> stunning. It, it's almost sad. It's not sad that it races because it's beautiful, but um, that, that thing could roll into the National Motor Racing Museum and be the best presented car well, tomorrow. At the, rate, at the rate it's going, it's going. Yeah, it'll, it'll, drive, it'll drive straight there in uh, in November, yeah. Uh, what else did we see on the weekend? We saw some uh, hot Aussie car racing while they were on the tracks. That, that we saw full, some Super 2 do Super 2 racing. The first race in the Super 2 didn't go full Super 2. It was pretty competent. Like, you had all these absolute hardcore rookies out there, and they really kept it on the it, island pretty well. It's a good field, mm. it, it, and it has the potential of being a really good year. Um, if they can avoid Sunday dramas, um, and you look at the qualifying for Sunday's race. So you got Ryan Wood at a 113.25, and you go down to Lockie Dalton, uh, who I thought did a pretty good job, actually. Um, he was good, and he was good in Tassie the other yeah, week too. Yeah, totally. Uh, at a at a one thirteen eight two, so point five six, and he was thirteenth. Yeah. So that is as good as Super Two has ever been in terms of competitive depth. And you've got Zach Best, who was in the mix but didn't smoke everybody. Matt Charter was quite strong on Sunday. Aaron Love had a a dog of a day Saturday, but bounced back really well on Sunday and drove well. Cooper Murray was outstanding for Eggleston. Jay Hansen solid, um, you know, Brad Vaughan and Kai Allen out of, um, out of super three were good. So it, it's got the makings of a really good year they, they need to go to Wanneroo and have three, just really good, solid, hard races. And they'll be off and away that field because it's got the makings of an absolute classic. But even then some of the super three guys, like I was looking at the lap times of Jet Johnson and Mason Kelly yeah. and they were competent. Like they were up there totally. better than a, a handful of the backmarker super two cars. And those guys have never driven on a street circuit before 
first time out there in a supercar. I thought that was really, really impressive. Cam McLeod was the standout for mine yep. in, in not just in that, but almost in the field. Uh, he was very, very strong. Um, and he and his dad running, running that, uh, Nissan Altima. So, and, and he was, was comfortably quick and, and nipping at the heels of some of the really good super, super two guys. So, uh, full credit to Cameron. Uh, was, I thought that was a really impressive job by him. A competent mm. weekend was had by all. Oh, I don't know if he oh, used the term hmm. competent. The event was competent. Okay. It's just a shame that you know that the, we're t- here talking about off-track stuff rather than necessarily what happened on the track, mm. really. Yeah, no, and I agree. Uh, I agree. Last car, Mark? Yes, there sure was. There was <laughs> at Phoenix. Uh, apparently, there hasn't been a good NASCAR race at Phoenix since 1989. Okay. So, uh, and the trend continued, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> the restarts there are epic. It'd be good if every lap was a restart, which I think they got in the ARCA race, but uh, with that big wide apron that they've got no out of bounds, the racing itself was pretty rubbish. Mm. Uh, good finish. Kevin Harvick was looking set to win there in his. Uh, final season at a track that he's absolutely dominated. He came from nowhere past Kyle Larson, late uh, yellow. He got screwed in the pit stops. Uh, Alex Bowman got up for his second win in two weeks, although the Hendrick cars are probably in a fair bit of strife because they've confiscated some aerodynamic parts of the four Mm. cars there prior to the event. And typically when that happens, you are in hot water. But Mm. of course, being on the grid, that news will break just before this drops so uh, oh naturally disregard everything i've just 11 11 when, when they get get off when when they get yes. yeah that's fine yeah. yeah don't worry about it yeah or gee bad day for hendrick disqualified oh, Can't believe it. yeah amazing um, saudi arabian f1s Quasi? yeah this weekend uh which is going to be interesting and the last sort of check before we we see them down under and then you know are the astons the real deal will be the thing i'm looking for can they back up that really good performance in Bahrain uh, and do that again at Saudi? Uh, the circuit has been changed a little bit since their last visit. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. She's a pretty sketchy old joint, mm. the Riyadh circuit. So that'll be good. Um, yeah, well, Mick, Mick Schumacher is not there. So we lose Probably a crash the, test, don't we? The crash potential does go down somewhat, doesn't it? Uh, so that'll be good. Um, yeah. And I'm just, I just want to get to Melbourne now, Shebex. It's, yeah, you know, these races Too far away. are all nice, but um, ultimately we're all looking forward to the Australian Grand Prix. Uh, Molly Taylor had a win in Extreme E. I know we don't generally talk about that stuff, but uh, Molly is an absolute superstar and deserves praise. So well done to her. And the other interesting thing was pre-season testing for the World Endurance Championship took place at Sebring. Um, and this great new era of sports car racing that we're entering looks really good. And it was the first opportunity we saw the FIA hypercar regs and the US IMSA GTP regs on the same track at the same time. And there wasn't that much between them. The Toyotas were quick as you'd expect. The Porsches weren't far behind and they're a GTP car. So early days, BOP is a fickle thing and it will be a a storyline over the year, but it looks like the competitive balance is pretty good. Ferrari running, they'll make their sports car return. That's going to be great. So super duper Sebring this weekend. Uh, so the FIA World Endurance Championship race first, and then the Sebring 12-hour follows that the next day. So it's a massive weekend of endurance racing. And, of course, the Sebring 12-hour goes for 12 hours, doesn't it? It, it does, unlike the <laughs> Sepang 12-hour, which returns yeah. this year, which incidentally goes for eight. Seems like a clerical error there. Um such a massive world event at Sebring. That's like having a massive world event at Malala, isn't it, Richard? I think you're not giving Malala enough credit there. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Sebring is such a goat track. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, got, I was got tetanus just walking well, in the joint. Well, you got tetanus because you could climb through the spectator fence and walk onto the start-finish track to take photos at turn one for... For clarity, dear listener, uh, on Mark and Krause's little American junket in 2018, when we went to Daytona on the Tuesday after, we decided to go home via Sebring, as one does. Small detour, really. Conveniently, there was testing going on at the time, so that was cool. Um, How did we get in? What did we we say to get in? No, we just drove in. 
Did we? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that was we easy. Were like, we, we didn't have that... Tony Shebeki with us. So. Scott, <laughs> Scott Andrews was running around, remember, and we're like, we know that guy. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it, it's got a lot of character. <laughs> so much character. <laughs> it was great. Oh, I really would love I to go to the twelve hour one day. It'd be it'd be amazing. And uh, uh, the great Andrew Hall photographer is over there and will be providing Please some go. photographic excellence for the racetalk.com. So check that Ooh. out early next week. Hot to not hit us up. Well, just just before we dive into those Shebeks, okay. uh, one thing we are going to do this year, and I'm going to do it on my Twitter account, is I, and I've stolen it blatantly. Oh, okay. The great NASCAR journo Jeff Gluck, who is well, everyone stole our stuff, so we might as well steal oh, something from someone. Stop it! Yeah, this, this is slightly more blatant. I'm not going to lie to you, but after every NASCAR race, he does a Twitter poll going, "Was this a good race? Yes or no?" And then tallies the results up, and he's kept a record bank dating back five or six years now, I think, of what the fans think. So I'm going to do that. Uh, was race two at Newcastle a good race? I only did it on Sunday because I hadn't thought of it on Sunday on Saturday. Uh, yes, 70%, no, 30%. So Ooh, most okay. people thought it was a pretty good, pretty good race. And that sort of adds up to the seven out of 10 that we were all sort of thinking as well. So not bad, decent sample size. I think the votes will go up as we, uh, we bowl on. I did quite late at night, I think from memory. So, um, yeah. No, beautiful. Something to do. Hots or not? Uh, I'll kick things off, uh, having not planned this even slightly, but, um, uh, no, I don't think I will. Okay. I think you should go first. Yeah. Well, can yeah. I go? I'll go first. Okay. Off you go. Uh, and my not is supercars referring to the people who were complaining about their timing system on the screen, referring to that as being equivalent to the Ukraine war. I think it's an absolute not for me. Uh, seriously, guys, come on. I, I understand you want don't want people talking about your stuff, and that's fine. But don't go out and say there's a there's a war on, folks. Focus on that, please. It's that was disgraceful from me. Um, yeah, the TV graphics weren't great. Uh, they got better, but um, yeah, and that's fine. We've lived with that for the last couple of years. Supercars have changed a few things over the last couple of years, and. There's been issues always in the first round and it moves on and it becomes we'll, absolutely fantastic. We'll, we'll have context down the road on the racetalk.com. There's a few things on, underway. Okay. About TV graphics. Uh, you're not. DJR. Uh, I mean, they were pretty anonymous, yeah. weren't they, Richard? Yeah. yeah. That's a that's an easy not, isn't it? Really? Let's, mm. I'm going to lock in DJR because... Okay. I'm a Dick Johnson fan from way back, and it's sad to see them back there in the pack in 10th in the team's championship. I hope they do better than that. Mm. My not is the chance that we could not go back to Newcastle. Yes. Um, no, I, I, and that makes me sad because I, I genuinely think it does great things for that city. And, and we've said it before that... Newcastle is not a city I would have ever visited had there not been a car race there. Oh, 100%. Who knew that Newcastle was nice? Exactly. Yeah. And it's really nice. And since we were last there in 2019, it's nicer. Mm. The development is incredible. There's some really good bars and restaurants and pubs and sites. And it would be a massive shame. And it is a shame that it is even up for discussion. So the, the Newcastle Council ultimately have the final say in yay or nay the mayor was very enthusiastic on the weekend but um i i really do and and as an and as a side not to that if we lose newcastle and we have to start the season at sydney motorsport park again i'm just jumping off that train because that will be an unbelievably large knot so yeah. that's my not for this week i i it would be a, a real shame for the city of newcastle if we can't bring that race back yeah my hot is just simply having supercars back and all the drama, all the comment, all the focus that it brings with it here in Australia as our premier motor racing category. For me, that was hot. There was so much drama out of the weekend and there was so much comment from everyone. Everyone had their say. Even people who I didn't even know like racing mm. came up to me on Sunday and were talking about the disqualification and all that sort of stuff. So that's what I love. That's my hot was the fact that we actually got supercars back on track i genuinely don't think there's been this amount of chat since lounsey put 
uh, Scotty put Lounsey in the fence 2018. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. 2017. Yeah, that was the first one. Like that, that kept going for days and this <laughs> kept going for days. And you wait until we start getting the feedback from the, our bad takes here tonight. Yeah, it's going to totally keep going. <laughs> exactly. Well, but, but the great thing is, is that the feedback will continue in two weeks' time when Triple Eight win their appeal. Oh, yeah, and then geez. everyone will have something to say about that. Right. It'll just go though. right through. <laughs> A big knot. Um, Hots. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phillip Island Classic was on mm-hmm. the weekend. A lot yes. of content on the racetalk.com now. And How did the up, Formula One race go? Yeah, sick. <laughs> there, there, were, <laughs> there weren't many of them left by Sunday, so I'm okay. happy I went on Friday and uh, saw them all in action. But, uh, yeah, old Formula One cars, Indy cars, sports cars, you know, everything you could imagine, touring cars, they're all there. Good. Uh, Paul Stubber, he gets a, a hot for his antics in his Chev Camaro, just absolutely out there laying it loose. He gets a knot for his effort before race one where he just went way too fast on the warm-up lap. And they had to spend the first lap behind the safety car because he just went, he just cut too loose. It's not that hard. Come on, mate. Uh, But yeah, Philip Island Classic, you know, hundreds and hundreds of cars. And if you're in that part of the universe, I'd suggest it's worth putting on your your itinerary in the future. Um, But my real hot this week uh, on the race talk for the power rankings, we put out a call out uh, after the race where we ask the punters around the world what they thought of it. Mm. And we got one response back on the Twitter from Liz. Uh, Hot. After four months of chemotherapy, I dragged my pitiful weak body to Newcastle for a treat. It was great. I really don't care who won, who was passed and who finished. Seeing and hearing the new cars and sitting with passionate fans was awesome. Good luck, Liz. Well done. Fantastic. Like, you know... (laughs) That's it's motorsport it's an escape isn't it you know mm. we yeah we tend to work in it a bit and for people it's their job but for the very vast majority of people it's an escape from reality and um yeah you love to see when things like that get said so that's yeah beautiful. yeah that's that's fantastic hope the mood continues liz all the best stuff yeah totally totally thank you for being part of the power rankings too um i've got a few i'll throw in that we did mention in the the rankings uh driver's eye Great. Yes. Really good. Fantastic. Uh, th- that camera worked brilliantly and it just gave such a sensation of how <laughs> sketchy that place is. And, and, and what it's like to headbutt the fence in a top it, 10 shootout. Correct. Exactly. 100%, which is why they do it. So um, really good. I, I had the good fortune to meet briefly the gentleman in, in charge of rolling it out. He was he was down from overseas. Um, we're we're going to have a chat in a couple of weeks and there'll be a story on TRT about that. So um, lovely bloke and very passionate and enthusiastic about what supercars want to do with him in regards to their broadcast. It was uh, it was really good. Does he have really good eyesight so he doesn't like lose any of his cameras? Yeah, because they're tiny. They're, they're absolutely <laughs> tiny. It's ridiculous. He he wasn't wearing glasses, so I'd say his eyes his vision's pretty good. Um, Tom Randall gets a, a brief hot for popping into the commentary box at short notice with my mate Matt Nolte and doing a super job. Tom is an annoyingly talented commentator Mm -hmm. stick to race car driving mate you're going to do us all out of a job um but my hot uh has to go to the media center at the newcastle 500 Mm. it can only go to the media center at the newcastle 500 and regular listeners will know what we like on the grid this is a show that at some point in the past and we'll do so again did something called beers on trt it will return at some point. Um, so it's in a pub. <laughs> That's all there is. That's That's a, a big run up there, Richard. Yep. Um, but a lovely lady uh, does all the catering. She's brought in for the weekend. Um, and I apologize. I forget her name, but, but she's fantastic. She does all the cooking herself. She makes all the sandwiches herself, um, which is such a far cry from all the, the, 15 day old stuff we normally get um the chicken wraps for lunch were outstanding the afternoon cakes were tremendous um and it was in a pub so when we knocked off we could walk downstairs and have a beer just but really well done and they did a nice job of looking after us up there and they deserve praise for that and um the media, you have to believe us when we say the media don't get treated like this every round. So, uh, Can I, I was just going to, and it's becoming saying, increasingly difficult to get nice things in media centers. I might add, um, as budgets, take get, note. 
yeah, as budgets get slashed. So um, full credit to them and uh, the team there at the the Customs House Hotel. If you're ever in Newcastle and you're not there, even outside a race meeting, swing on by and uh, have a beer there, and it's a really nice place. And go to the first floor, and then you'll know exactly where the media yeah, sits. Exactly. But did you actually get to see any racing at all? Like, there seemed to be a lot of cake consumed, a lot of sandwiches there. Like, did you see the racing at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. the TVs were excellent. Actually, that was, that was funny. It's like, boy, that was a big crash in the Aussie racing cars. And it's like, I know, it's out my window. Yes, it literally was about three and a half metres across and three and a half metres down from where I was sitting. I felt the impact. It was sizable. Yeah, it was, uh, that was exciting. Actually, I, in hindsight, I would have knotted the uh, Aussie racing car race. The driver across the line in 11th was the first one to see the chequered flag. And then six cars crashed after it. That's that's not great. But no, uh, no, no Oliver, there, uh, media centre, hot. Okay, boys, catch you later, and we'll catch you later right here on the grid.